0: Water right, the right to make use of the water from a stream, lake, or irrigation canal. The Oxford Dictionary. This is a topic that you'll hear about for the next few years in our area. The state of Idaho, however, has been delegating water rights since the late 70s. It's only recently become a current event in our area. In Bonner County, 10% of the surface area Is water. But there's no shortage of it up here, which might be a reason why this area is one of the last in Idaho to be delegated by the Department of Water Resources. But that doesn't mean that the Clark Fork-Ponderay River Basin is immune to legal disputes over water. Over the last two weeks, IDWR has sent officials up here to share information and help people out when it comes to sorting through their water rights. This topic gets complicated, especially when you're dealing with individual people and circumstances. This episode is going to cover the topics already reported in the Bonner County Daily Bee, but I'm going to take you into the details that didn't make it into the articles. Some of this information is very fascinating and caught me off guard at times. I think you should know about it too. I'm Anissa Keith. You're listening to The 7B Podcast. One of the most major things I learned is that there's a unique legal system for just this topic. Idaho is a semi-arid state, and topics surrounding water have all of the potential elements for stirring up passion in people, So the fact that there's a legal system set up just for this one subject is intended to cool down disputes and challenges that the future may hold when it comes to water disputes. Even though the world surrounding water rights gets complicated, the thing itself is quite simple. In Idaho, a water right is when water is diverted from its natural source and put to some kind of use. In 1890, when Idaho became a state, All of its resources were declared as belonging to the state, including the water in the streams, lakes, rivers, and whatnot. Almost 63% of Idaho is federal land. And in this whole water rights process, the federal government has claims uh, rights to water on federal land, even if they're not doing anything with it yet. Throughout my time sitting in public meetings, the interactions between the federal government and the state is a hot button issue that comes up a lot. And actually, I've heard more than a few people express their feelings about all levels of government. But as a general rule, the larger the organization, the more skepticism and distrust about what they do. With that sentiment in mind, the water rates adjudication process has a very interesting mechanism that usually doesn't happen in law. A lower level entity, in this case, the state of Idaho, has the power to challenge the federal government in court when it comes to the matter of water rights. There was a question and answer session held on April 28th in Sandpoint. There were all kinds of officials there, from people at IDWR, a couple of lawyers, including one from the Attorney General's office, and past and present policymakers. One of the lawyers who attended this meeting, Norman Semenko, captured this legal aspect involving the government so perfectly. The
1: federal government is required to make itself subject to the jurisdiction of a state court. That never happens. To to sue the federal government, what do you have to have? You have to have the federal government's permission to sue them. It's called sovereign immunity, 11th Amendment. You cannot sue the king unless he says you can. So how do they get in a state court for water rights adjudication? Because Congress, Senator McCarran, it's the McCarran Airport in Las Vegas, same guy. The McCarran Amendment was passed in the fifties, and it recognized that all these adjudications that Shelley talked about that have been in the past, they were missing one key player: the federal government because they couldn't be made to come into an adjudication in state court. So in the 1950s, Congress passed a law that said that the state can sue the federal government and make them come into the state court to defend whatever claims to water rights they think they have. So it's a waiver of sovereign immunity. The federal government is required to land in our court in Idaho and defend their claims.
0: And that's the first time that I learned that lower levels of government couldn't sue superior ones. Which is why it's so fascinating that the federal government can be compelled to appear in state water court. The reason why Samanko even talked about this in the first place is because someone asked why they should even bother filing a water right because they didn't want to go on record with the state. The thing is, if individual people file water rights and they have a legal dispute over water, even if it's with the federal government, there's a legal avenue open to them to go into water court to get it settled. But if they don't have a water right, that's not an option. Which brings me to another thing I learned that took me by surprise. Individuals in Idaho have natural water rights, meaning if people are successful in diverting and using water for domestic purposes, They don't have to get permit or permission first. It's not illegal for Idahoans to use water for their own personal use, which I think is so cool. But with that being said, even though people don't have to get permission first, that doesn't change the fact that other people will choose to go on record with the state about their water rights. And if there ever is a dispute, those who have documentation will have more leverage in water court. Here's where it gets curiously complicated. Let's say two people walk into water court, each with a water right, with claims to the same water. There are ways of settling the dispute, and it comes down to who claimed the water first. There's this phrase I hear all the time in every single water-related meeting. First in time is first in right. And just a side note, being first means when the water was put to use, and not when the document was put into the state's files. And apparently there are some people in Idaho who are claiming water rights back to before Idaho was even a state. So the person who has the water right with the older date gets to use 100% of the water outlined in that claim. There are so many ways claims can be proven and I'm pretty sure I still don't know all of them, but pretty much anything that can be used as evidence in a court of law can play a role in a person's claim. Even someone's word. Another one of the lawyers at the April 28 meeting, Deputy Attorney General Lacey Rammel O'Brien, put it simply. Easily ...verifiable, but don't underestimate the power of affidavit and testimony evidence. My parents bought property in 1991 where there are in this neighborhood based adjudication. The person they bought it from, um, they knew when he bought it, but he had passed away. They found a neighbor They took to a notary. He said, "I remember that there was cattle here, and they drilled this well." records and those types of things are difficult to find. Don't underestimate your neighbors. Like, I wouldn't have believed that if I hadn't have heard it from an official. There are more common ways of filing claims, but anything that can speak to the age of water use, like equipment, photographs, journal entries, it's fair game to be included in a claim submitted to the Department of Water Resources. But... It's not like the department is just going to take your word for it either. They investigate these claims, and then they'll respond with a document that shows how old they verified a claim to be. Of course, claims can be disputed in the early stages, which is one of the reasons why this process takes so long, but Semenko said in the meeting that it's smart for people to attempt claiming the oldest possible date they can in order to give their water right more seniority. Because... That's what makes a water right valuable, is how old it is. If you claim 1952
1: because you were being conservative or safe or whatever, the department, if they find evidence in 1938, they're not going to recommend 1938. You're not going to get a better priority than you claim. So you're better off claiming the 1938 on iffy evidence, in my view, and being told by the department, no, we think it's 1952, then you get to decide to fight over it.
0: Here's a shocking example of why older water rights are so important. Someone in the question and answer session asked if there was a shortage, would water be metered for everyone using from a given source? And the answer was no. And IDWR Water Allocation Bureau Chief, Shelley Keane, explains this fact.
2: It's, it's it's not apportioned out. The person the, the person with the senior water rights gets all of their water before the next person in line gets gets any. And so, in in southern Idaho, where we do have water districts, and every year because they're water short, administer water by priority. Uh, you know, some people are curtailed, shut off. Uh, In the middle of the summer every year because uh, we have to make sure that those people with the older water rights some of them dating back to the 1860s or 1870s get all of their water and and that system was just created by our our forefathers to give people incentive to develop the resource and and uh, Uh, build the economy of of the state of Idaho and and all the arid western states for
0: that matter. Even though the panhandle is blessed with a lot of water, I can easily see this exact point being controversial, especially when it comes to some people getting 100% of their water and other people being shut off. Something I hear in public meetings is the fact that the county in, the, in this county, people's wells are running low or going completely dry. So even though we are more watered than other areas of the state, water disputes may be coming into play in our area. Knowing that, it made this next bit of information even more interesting. Even if a person is using water f- purely for aesthetic purposes, it counts as use. Someone asked if they could use their pond as a water right, and King said yes. Here he is again.
2: Right. So, a hundred years ago, that might not have been considered a beneficial use, but the, the list of things that society values has grown.
0: As you can see, the matter of water rights can get very nuanced and specific given the situation. Getting all of these water rights on paper and sorted out now will have a big impact on how Idaho manages one of its most important resources now and in the future. The process is still ongoing. In fact, the Clark fork Ponderé Water Basin is still in the early stages of adjudication. Those are the things that stood out to me most in covering this topic so far, and I'm sure it won't be the last time I learned something surprising about this topic either. And I didn't even cover the very basics about water adjudication in this episode. You can learn more by reading previous articles in the Bonner County Daily Bee. Links to specific articles can be found in the description of this episode. If you're interested in doing your own research or possibly filing your own water claim, A good place to start is at the Idaho Department of Water Resources website at idwr.idaho.gov. This has been fun. I hope you learned something. Until next time, this has been Anissa Keith, and you just got done listening to an episode of the 7B Podcast.